Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda Davis. I'm Linda Davis. Before we dive into God's Word today, just a little bit about myself. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing keys to abundant living. So if you haven't already had your coffee today, go grab a cup and join me today as I talk about having now faith. And what does that look like for us? What does that mean? And how do we do that? We are going to need now faith for what is going on right now. Now faith to me means we have an expectation. We believe right now. We trust right now. We stand right now. We have a anchored expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, and we are waiting on it right now. And we are trusting it now, but we are trusting also that it will be in his perfect timing, in his perfect season, but we have an expectation of it momentarily happening. Now faith comes down to trust and obedience. Are we going to obey when it does not make sense? Is our faith at the level that we trust God enough to do what he said to do, when he said to do it, trusting that he is most definitely going to do what he said he will do? He's always waiting on our action. That's now faith also. If he says sit, then sit down. If he says stand, then stand up. If he says go, then go. Typically, when he's telling us to go, it's the time that it makes the least sense. In my mind, personally, when I feel like the Lord is beginning to stir me in an area, in one sense, on the right side, I am ready. Let's just do this. I don't, I don't honestly, I don't count the cost. I don't count the time. I'm just more spontaneous about it. Let's go and do this. And then on the left side, I'm thinking, I don't know if we have the time for that. I don't know if we have the resources for that. Are we going to be able to give 110% to that? And these two areas can battle one another. And one is now faith. I'm not saying that faith means you don't count the cost either. You do, of course, count the cost. But what, the cost doesn't matter if God has said, do this and do this now. It takes faith and obedience. Do I have faith that God said it and God is not a man that he would lie? Do I have trust to obey immediately what he said? Any hesitation in our obedience is disobedience. No matter what, I'm going to obey. I have obeyed at a costly price, a costly level, I guess is more the term I want to use. Me and my husband together, we have obeyed with our whole family at a costly level. Finances, relationships, reputation, I'm going to obey no matter what. And a lot of times, truthfully, speaking of that word reputation, a lot of times we are hesitant to obey because whether we realize it or not, we're protecting our reputation. We don't want to look like we missed it. We don't want to look foolish. What will others think? But they won't respect me as a man or woman of God. They'll think I don't hear from God. And we have all this stuff. That's protection of our reputation, which I never, 
never have encountered biblically Jesus looking to protect his reputation. I would rather be considered foolish by the world than wise by the world. So no matter what, I'm going to obey. Obedience comes from trust. It comes from knowing no matter what, God's got you. No matter what, he's going to be beside you. He's going to plow before you. And he's going to stand behind you in a covering. And obedience comes from that level of trust, which trust is birthed from faith. A faith that says, I know God is a man that he should not lie. I know God has done many times over supernatural, miraculous. I can just read about it in the word of God. I have that testimony. That's my faith. Faith is conceived from belief, believing there is a God, believing he is who he says he is, believing that Jesus died on the cross for us, believing that he rose again on the third day for us. Faith comes from that conception in our hearts of a belief system that God exists, God has our best interests at heart, and there's a greater kingdom purpose out there that we were created and birthed for physically. I believe most of us are very familiar with the scripture verse in Hebrews 11, right? The faith chapter. I think I may have even talked about this last week a little bit, but the faith chapter starts out with now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Right? It doesn't take any faith when you have evidence. It doesn't take any faith when you're looking at a checking account that can easily cover what God's asking you to do. It doesn't take faith when you have all the network connections you need to launch whatever it is you're looking to launch. That doesn't take any faith. That may take time. That may take strength. That may take endurance. But it doesn't take faith. Faith is standing there, knowing that you're doing what God said to do, or standing where God said to stand, or waiting where God said to wait, having no idea how it's going to happen, but trusting that he's going to show up. He's going to use a vessel here on earth to either network for you, to provide for you, to clear the path for you. And all of a sudden, you're like, how on earth did that happen? But God. That's a now faith. That's trusting when it doesn't make sense. So I want to break down just for a few minutes, Hebrews 11.1. I want to talk about what is this scripture verse really saying? What, okay, so we know this word now. It starts with now, now faith. In good old Webster's Dictionary, the word now is defined as the present time or moment. So it means To me, this word now, in your faith right now, remaining, abiding, dwelling in that place. When you go to the word now in the Hebrew, I'm sorry, in the Greek, it would be in the Greek, and you go to, what does that translate out to, right? And I tend to use, I use a lot the Blue Letter Bible. Um, It has the Strong's definitions in it. And so the Strong's 
definition, interestingly, for the word now, says but, and, etc., also, and, but, moreover, now. Not quite the definition we give it. We say at the present time or moment. Strong's concordance of the Greek word translated out for now actually says, but moreover. So put that in Hebrews 11.1. And we're starting out, but moreover, faith. Moreover, faith is the substance of things not seen. Moreover, just to give clarity, is talking about a further matter besides also. So it's getting a little interesting here. It's giving a little more amplified explanation of what's being said in Hebrews 11.1. Faith in the Greek translation is a conviction of the truth of anything, belief. It's a conviction, a conviction, a belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. Generally with the included idea of trust and holy fervor born of faith and joined with it. So it's, it's our religious belief of how we relate to God, how we relate to Christ. And as they are ones, we are fully persuaded. Faith is in our hearts that we are fully persuaded that God and Christ can be relied on. When you think of that term fully persuaded, when we are in now faith, we are moreover fully persuaded. That's a scripture verse actually regarding Abraham and his belief system that God was going to provide him a son, even though what he was well a hundred years old. Uh, Romans four twenty one tells us this that that Abraham never stopped believing God, regardless. Right? He was actually made stronger in his faith to father a child, right? He's known as the father of faith, but he never stopped totally believing. Romans 4.21 says, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham had confidence that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And that was give him a son from Sarah. Together, they were going to have a son of their own from Abraham's seed and from Sarah's womb. I mean, let's be honest, that's against all hope. That, that's against everything. To become the father of many nations, right? Now he finds himself at 11 years old, uh, 11 years old, I'm sorry, 100 years old. And already, let's not miss this either. God is so gracious and so merciful. You know, him and Sarah already messed up once. They tried to go about it their own way, doing their own thing, thinking they were helping God. They didn't have now faith. They wavered in their faith. And it did cost them. Absolutely. But God was also gracious and returned them back to the original promise. And now in verse 21 of Romans 4, he is fully persuaded. He is stronger in his faith after stumbling, actually. And now he knows God is well able to perform what he has promised. 
he is going to do in regards to having as many as many ears as there were stars in the sky. And we, having hindsight, see God well did. We look at it, we're like, how could Abraham ever have doubted? How could Abraham, on the different occasions that you can go and study that he disobeyed God, he turned from the direction God gave him. Every time he turned, it cost him. It cost his family. And we are looking at the full picture going, I don't understand how Abraham could trust in one moment and doubt in another moment and act out of fear in another moment and in another moment be so strong and mighty in his faith. When yet we do the same thing all the time. We'll trust God powerfully over here and then we'll waver over here because we're not functioning in the hindsight that we have when we look at Abraham. But when we're concerning ourselves and wavering in our now faith, wavering in our being fully persuaded, we have these stories of faith to anchor ourselves in, to say, look what he did to Abraham. This is not a cute little Sunday school story. This is truly somebody's life. Look what he did for Joseph. Look what he did for David. Right. Look at look what he did for Rahab. Look what he did for Deborah. I mean, there's look what he did for Ruth and Naomi. There's so many. God is faithful. It may look like a mess, but if we'll stand in that place of being fully persuaded, not wavering in the promises of God, stepping when he says step, staying on the path he has put us on, being willing to even step out on that path. I mean, when Ab- going back to Abraham for a moment, he left everything he knew because God could never do with him what he wanted to do with him until he took that step. How do we remain in the now faith? How do we remain fully persuaded? We have to stay living with God. Right, we it goes back to Psalm 91. We have to abide, dwell, remain in Christ. That's how we stay in a now faith. When we get out from under that, is when fear comes in. And fear and it being fully persuaded, they don't go together. They cannot hang out together. You are either in faith or you are in fear. Now, you can be in faith and have a moment of fear, have a moment of concern, but you don't remain there. No, you remain and dwell in God's presence. He has promised us, according to Psalm 91, protection, mighty protection. And there's a purpose to that protection. It's not just for our comfort. It's just not for us to feel good. We're here for kingdom purposes. We're not here for self-enjoyment, self-fulfillment, and what about me? And are you doing this for me? And what's going on with me, God? There's a greater purpose. And if we're not pursuing it, we're missing our purpose here on earth. What we are believing for, what we are having now faith for, I think sometimes we get uh, deceived into blaming other people for things not happening in our lives or for things happening in our lives when it just comes down to us and God. That's it. That's the only person where, or that's the only, I hate to say person because God's not necessarily a person, but that's who we answer to at the end. 
There'll be no uh, blame game going on. There's simply this Psalm 91. He gives us all the protection we need because we're going to need it. Right. Psalm 91. I just want to read it for a moment. Some of it. Verse one. He who dwells in the secret place. And I'm going to kind of add a little of my own stuff there of the most high who stays like it's not just a Tuesday morning visit. I have people that visit me. I have people that stay that there's a difference shall abide under the shadow of the almighty will remain stays in that place. That person will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. I have trust in him. I have confidence in him because I'm staying there. Then he will surely deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Can you, can you see? We have to stay first. We stay. We remain in God. And as a result of that, we start to trust him. My God in him I will trust. Verse 2 says we have faith, right? Then we're delivered from the snare of the fowler. The promise is always there, but we have to come and remain and stay and trust. And from the perilous pestilence, this is all of our protection we're promised. He will cover us with his feathers. And I'm kind of paraphrasing Psalm 91. And under his wings, we have refuge. We have trust and no fear. Trust and no fear. But it's, an, it's imperative that we're remaining, that we're staying. We'll not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. What is there to fear when we stay in the secret place of God, nor of the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that walks in the darkness. Nothing, absolutely nothing. We have God's protection because then, then the people that didn't stay, the people that didn't abide and dwell and remain, and what is God saying? Not what's my opinion, what's not my perception, what is God saying? What's the truth of God's word? Not what this leader over here is saying, this leader, this leader, this. What does God say? God's worth word is truth. And it's the spirit of truth that sets us free. And then 10,000 might fall at our side. They just might. And 10,000 at our right hand. But what? It will not come near us. It will not come near our dwelling place, our family. Only with our eyes will we look and see the reward of the wicked, the ones that did not stay and remain. And now here we go. Because of this, because we've made the Lord our refuge, because we've trusted and had confidence in the Lord that he is who he says he is and he does what he says he does, we get to know him. We get to recognize his voice. We've made him our dwelling place. He's our house, basically. He's that place we go to. No evil will befall us. Everything might be swarming around us, but it's not coming near us. Nor will any plague come near your dwelling. You are sheltered from everything, even from weariness. No weariness as we abide. And what does he do? He gives his angels charge over us. He gives the angels authorities to move on our behalf. Now, they're not, they're not the power. They're going on his word, but they are there and they are protected. They're withholding things that never came across our path that could have brought destruction or they're bringing, they're bringing uh, blessings to us that 
were trying to be obstructed. You can go look at the book of Daniel and see that takes place. I mean, there's some stuff going on in the spiritual realm in regards to angels and uh, demonic spirits. So back at verse 11, he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you're you dash your foot against a stone. Now here's the promise. Here's the reason for the protection. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. See, we're going to need the protection. That's why we have protection because we're going to need it. And so I actually was reading this scripture verse this morning about the lion and the young lion and the cobra and the serpent. And, you know, that's a lot of language that we don't necessarily understand. So I wanted to dig into it deeper and I want to just break it down just a little bit for you. And we'll close out with this this morning. It tells us we're going to tread on the lion. What is what a lion problem? Right? What is a lion? A lion is bold. A lion is loud. A lion is kind of in your face. Right. Uh, it's those big things in our life. Those things that just take the wind out of us, right? They, they've very unexpected and they just, I call it sucker punch us basically. It's a big hit. We weren't expecting it. It sends us back a few steps. That's the lying problems. It's going to be there and it might catch you off guard and it might cause you to step back a few steps. But what it really was assigned to you for was to take you out. But as you dwell and remain and stay in the presence of God, it can't take you out. It cannot fulfill the purpose it was sent to attack you. That's the difference. That's the difference. It's not going to have its purpose fulfilled. Young lion, what's a young lion, right? The young lion, it's, you know, just those those little things. It's just there to harass us. It's just there to maybe slowly, gradually discourage us, slowly cause us to enter a place of defeat and doubt And then next thing, it's slow and it's gradual. It's these thoughts that don't line up with the word of God. And they slowly chip away at the foundation in Christ that we had. They're just these little things, almost can be unnoticed, but they're there. But they cannot have their place if we keep our minds renewed in Christ, like the word tells us, if we remain in him, if we remain in the word, they cannot have the effect. They, we, know we know as we remain in him and the word that we cast those vain imaginations down. The cobra, what's a cobra? A cobra, right? So when I think about a snake, just like in Genesis chapter three, they're sly, they're subtle, they sneak up, right? But they're a good attack. We're just, we're just going along, minding our own business, right? You can kind of, it's like, it's undercover. It's a deceptive, it's a deceptive plan, I guess is a word, that we're blinded to until it's too late. That's what happens with a snake bite, right? Typically, uh, somebody doesn't see the snake until it's too late or they'd never be bit by one. So that's what the cobra is. It's, it's being aware of these things that can deceive us. And, you know, that's that's the thing about deception. Anybody that's deceived, it's so tough to reveal the truth to someone that's deceived because a deceived person does not realize they are deceived. 
and they slow, it's a slow fade. There's a song about that. It doesn't happen overnight, but man, one day they're looking around like, what on earth happened in my life? How did I get here? It was a cobra snuck up on you. That's what happened. And so the last thing, right, is the, is the dragon. We will tread on the lion, the young lion, the cobra, and the dragon. So a dragon, right? That's kind of, that's, that's, if you go to Strong's, it's a sea monster, right? So is it, it's not even maybe really, is it real? I don't know. Is a dragon real? Have you, I've never seen a dragon. I'm not sure if you've seen a dragon, but uh, that's being in fear, ungrounded fear. Like we worry, we're concerned. Oh my gosh, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this takes place? What? If, and there's no grounding for it. And certainly we're not using the word of God and what the truth of what he says. And a lot of times we never step out in obedience because of the what ifs, the fears, the dragon problems that may never um, uh, actually produce in our lives, may never actually come to pass in our lives. These, it's, so to speak, a figment of our imagination. You know, like if you've raised kids, you have some dragon problems. You worry about things that may never take place. And and it's totally, it's a fear that's totally ungrounded that I think every parent battles. And we we kind of like hold our kids from God sometimes because of it. But we also hold our obedience in other areas because of this dragon that comes along that's really non-existent. We hesitate, we think too long, we overanalyze, and now we've made this dragon. I, I think this, I don't think this, I think this. And it's like, simply, what did God say? Let's have that now faith, that now faith. Remembering that, that now faith, that moreover being fully persuaded is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want to read Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 in the Passion Translation just to give a today feel to it. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that all things were created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke in the invisible realm, gave birth to all that is seen. That's the now faith. That's the remaining and staying and dwelling that we hold on to that causes us to step into obedience, anchored in the fact that God is going to do what he said he's going to do And I'm going to trust him by obeying immediately to what he said. And then I'm going to watch him do what he said he's going to do. 